Kia ora, welcome to Oho Ake Books. My name is Farius Lysander. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about starseeds, soul flames, twin flames, soulmates, and spiritual egos. Now, many years ago, when I lived in uh, Nelson at the early to mid 90s, talked about this before, but the area itself was going through a massive energetic shift. And loads of people were drawn there from all over the world. This is before when you could actually travel. <laughs> uh, from all over the world were drawn there and living down there. And energetically, there was a huge spiritual and conscious awareness movement down there at this time on the top of the South Island. I still believe it's there, but it's very much more low-key and it's more underground than it used to be. But back then, it was so prevalent and so much a big part of society down that part of the world that everyone who you basically met that I interacted with was on a level of conscious awakening and spiritual awakening. And there was a large population of people that as they were going through their spiritual awakening, they were developing spiritual egos. They were consciously awakening to their existence as a multidimensional being and also understanding that they were spiritual beings having a human experience but they were also developing a very firm and strong spiritual ego. And I think at the time I was going through this process myself, I hadn't really developed the spiritual ego as such. I was more still developing my own ego that was non-spiritual due to the nature of my upbringing, my childhood woundings, and my own shadow work that I started back then. So I didn't really have a strong, firm, like, oh, I am this or I am that kind of like ego. And there were people around me at the time that were very much in that, sp- that space where they were, oh, I am a light worker. And like this new age, and I perceive the new age movement as a cul-de-sac for consciousness. It's a, it's a trap. It's a trap that you get into and, and often people will get stuck into it and they don't find a way out of it. And I don't believe for a moment that the New Age is actually anything other than that. I think it's a disingenuous trap for consciousness. But those people who weren't in this trap that were moving forward and that weren't creating the spiritual ego, I was more drawn to them because of their humbleness, their sense of gratitude, and their sense of humor, and their sense of playfulness. Their inner child would come out often, and they would laugh at these people that had these enormous spiritual egos. And there were people, I mean literally people around me at the time, that were like, oh, I'm from Lyra, oh, I'm from Andromeda, oh, I've come from the Pleiades, oh, I'm definitely a Syrian, you know, all this kind of thing. Oh, no, 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 you're from Aldebaran, I've seen you there, you know, that kind of stuff. And they're all around me, the people who are kind of going for this phase where they were suddenly, this is in the early to mid-90s too, right? This is long before it became kind of fashionable in a way that is it is today, and it really is fashionable in a lot of people's conscious spiritual awakening movements. Especially on YouTube, I see a lot of people that kind of, you know, have they lock into certain vibrational frequencies from different star systems and planets, but they lock into these vibrational matrixes and they and they feel as though they're from these parts of the galaxy or beyond. And I'm not saying that they aren't. But I do see a lot of spiritual ego with people, and I feel into these experiences. When I feel into these these messages people are, are, are bringing out, I feel as though my personal perception of this is a lot of it's 
New Age Claptrap. Now, for me personally, my own personal experience with the whole Starseed acknowledgement, my Starseed acknowledgement I've talked about before in regards to the Pleiadians. Now, I had no real connection to Matariki, which is New Zealand Māori for the Pleiadians at all. I've told this story before, but I'll say it again because I think it's important for me to understand that, for people to understand that I've got this deep connection with the Pleiades. And whether or not I'm from it, my soul has had a lifetime in that galaxy is up for debate from you and from me. I mean, I look at the situation and I look at the energy coming from there. I say that the the energy that's come from there that has come into my life has taken me to places where I've grown in regards to my own personal growth and development. And I'm grateful for that. I look at that as more of a teacher energy. I'm more of a guiding energy. I'm more of a a protective energy and humorous energy that's been in my life. And I'll go through my historical uh, empirical experiences with the Pleiades. And from there onwards, I'll move into the other topics I want to talk about, which is soulmates, star, twin flames, also go back to spiritual egos and star seeds. So for me, the real kicker was when I was living in that part of the world in the Nelson region picking apples, um, I had a friend who lived in Nelson above the cathedral and a mutual friend, Gabby's place, a Swiss woman who lived in this beautiful home. I mean, it was a beautiful house in Nelson. I'd love to live there now if I had the chance to live there, if it was available to live there. It was such a beautiful home and an amazing garden as well. I had a friend that lived there called Kiriana Grace, a Māori woman who was a clairvoyant and clairaudient and an automatic writer. I used to go and see her for readings at least once every, twice a summer, so and, and a late fall, so maybe twice in four to five months. So one day, one day I went and saw her and I got a reading and then I went back to see her again in late summer and uh, it was early fall, early, early autumn, this part of the world. I went back to see her and I went back to see her I went down into the garden to say hi to her and ask her for a reading and she looked at me and she scanned me as she, she always did, she always scanned your aura, your, your etheric body. And then she'd read from there, and, and basically she'd just automatically write. And she looked at me and she said, no, not today. Today you've got to go up to my room and choose a book. So the story goes, I mean, up to the, her bedroom, where the landing was on the, on the second floor, which was basically the first floor, but the second floor, where her bedroom was. I walked in the door. There's a bookshelf there. All the books were pushed up against the wall. I scanned the bookshelf. There was nothing on there at all that I wanted to read or that drew my attention to any of the books. I walked out of the room. I was down the stairs, almost on the landing to the ground floor, when I heard a bonk, like a thunk, as if a book had been pulled out of the shelf and it was pulled pulled onto the floor. Now, I went back up to the room, and the book on the floor was Barbara Marciniak's The the Bringers of the Dawn, The Teachings from the Pleiades, The Pleiadians. I read that book in three or four days. I just basically assimilated it. And when I read it, everything integrated into my being. I had codes unlock in my body. I was suddenly and instantaneously had a connection with this star system. It doesn't mean for a moment that I was from there. But I have had, since that moment onwards, I've had memories of lifetimes, not in a human body, but memories of lifetimes, and one of those memories of those lifetimes is written about in a book called Sanctum, which I wrote first draft of in Vancouver in, 2000, in the early 2000s. I've written it about five or six times since then and revised it. But in that book, in that novel, I've written about my Pleiadian lifetime that I remember in that part of the solar system, in that galaxy. Uh, I've written about it quite extensively and about the character that that is... 
that lifetime and about the, how the character, how that being comes back to this planet at a later date. I won't tell you any more than that. So that summer as well, I had numerous experiences where I had people say to me, randomly, who didn't, who I had mentioned before about my sudden connection with the Pleiades, had mentioned to me, and those who didn't, uh, about my connection to the Pleiades, and of course, my probably my, the most interesting and powerful experience for me in regards to my own starseed acknowledgement was that um, when the seven beings came from the Pleiades with seven different attributes in a waka, in a canoe, in the backyard of Gabby's place, and then gave, uh, Kiriana and a bunch of women moved the waka up into the redwood trees above Fairfield House, I was called up into the forest, the only male present. I was called into the forest, and I saw these beautiful women all sitting around them, and beneath these two gigantic redwood trees, I couldn't see the waka, but I could see them all sitting, sitting there in the forest meditating. And of course, Kiriana saw me and smiled at me. And I was like, what am I doing here? You know, and then she said to me afterwards, they've called you. They wanted you to be here. That was a beautiful reassurance for me. And also for me, it was a beautiful moment or understanding that my connection with the Pleiades was very strong. And they had my best interests at heart, literally. And for many, many years, I've had interactions with beings and with energies from the Pleiades. I still do. I still do. Marciniak's podcasts, her, her seminars, I buy them all on Bold Connections. I, whenever they come out, I buy them and listen to them. Uh, and I have had done since since uh, I got back to Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I've got more and more of them over the years, and I've got a whole library of them now. And I really enjoy the energy. I really enjoy the connection I have with these beings. And, of course, their books. I have all the books here at my, my own personal library. I would have an out-of-body experience with my uh, partner at the time, Annette Lyon, in Melbourne before she went to Germany in June, July uh, 1997. I had an out-of-body experience during an enormous internal orgasm that shot me out of my body, literally out of my body, out to my crown chakra. And I didn't say I, meant if I went to, as I left my body, went to, I, I basically bilocated, and I look at the situation now very differently, I bilocated my awareness, my field of awareness, and was floating in front of the Pleiades, the star system, and I heard a woman's voice say, welcome home. And I came back into my body again, and I had a massive ejaculation into my partner at the time, or my next partner at the time. I couldn't believe I just told you that. <laughs> but it's true though, right? So uh, that put me back in my body again. After that experience, uh, I didn't really have any connection with the Pleiades or any star systems really when I was in Vancouver because my the nature of my energy and what I was moving through, I had a very grounded material, not what's a materialistic, but a very grounded experience in Vancouver for four years. But also on the same token, I had a very interesting connection with someone who was far more attuned to the levels of multidimensional existence who I used to work for for almost two years, Suzanne Castange, who was clairvoyant, clairaudient, claircognizant, clairsentient on levels that you can hardly even conceive of. But she was right out there. Probably the most incredible psychic I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And a very funny individual too. A beautiful, generous, and kind woman. Uh, and sh I didn't really have any connections with any, any star seeds or star seed energy really there when I was in Vancouver. It was more about me subjugating and also suppressing my shadow as it manifested in my life, I'm looking for enormous distractions. And in those distractions, having lessons that I would learn and move through, but wouldn't assimilate into my personal life till much, much later. 
But coming back to Aotearoa, New Zealand, the moment I got back, boom, Matariki again. The Pleiades gave me, struck me with a vision in 2003 of a book that I, the short story that became All Roads Lead to Parihaka. Uh, this short story, this this vision was clear to me and was given to me. I know exactly where it came from. And then, of course, years later with my rapport with Tabash, my friend Tabash, who is, of course, been dead for hundreds of thousands of years, but and comes from Source Energy into Blessed Styro, who channels him, he told me that he saw me one day we were having a, this is probably four or five years ago, he told me when I first arrived on Earth in a, in a, in a body, I came from Sirius. Now, over the years, my understanding of Sirius has, been, has changed quite a lot. Now, the Sirius star system as we know it, has, of course, is a binary star system. And uh, given the nature of the size of that star, many astro- astronomers say that there's no chance there's a planets that are orbiting that star that could ever hold, sustain life. And, uh, of course, on that level, the level of existence that we perceive it to be, that's probably, and the physics that we know, of course, that's, that's, the, that's the situation, right? But, of course, if you, and once again, you look at this in a multidimensional sense, and if you look beyond the walls of the simulation that we exist in, who fucking knows what's possible? I mean, we, we, we define things by, by what we know to be possible. Now, I've heard many people over the years say, that, oh, I'm from Sirius, or I'm from Sirius, or I'm from Sirius. I'm a Leonide, I'm a Leonide being from Sirius in a human body. Or I'm a, um, and it's always, if you ever noticed this, anyone who says they're from a star system they oh, oh i'm a i'm a pleiadian light worker or oh, i'm a i'm a leonardan i'm a leonardan from lyra lyra or oh, i'm a i'm a six dimensional human from lyra there always there's this spiritual ego and hierarchy no one wants to be a fucking mantid an insectoid a reptilian i mean those are the ones we know of a sasquatch being no one says oh i'm a i'm a i'm an insectoid from Aldebaran. no 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 one that i've that i've met has said that. And I guess that could be vibrational, it could be resonance, there could be beings that are here that have incarnated from that particular part of the galaxy or galaxy beyond our one that actually have that lower vibrational energy. And of course, I wouldn't interact with them because of the nature of my own personal resonance wouldn't bring someone like that into my life. Not in this day and age, maybe back back in the day, perhaps. And I've had experiences before people when I was resonating on a very different level that were very fucking dark, very dark. But not now, and I don't want to be really hanging out with drug-hunted reptilians. <laughs> if I can help it, thank you very much. But no one ever goes there. And says, oh, I'm from you know. Like, it's always this, this spiritual fucking ego, right? But Sirius, back to Sirius. Over the years, I've I've got a greater understanding of what Sirius is, and thanks to someone I consider a mentor in regards to my own personal psychic development, G.G. Young, G.I.G.I.Y.O.U.N.G. Com. Thanks to her tutelage and her help with my personal spiritual development, I understand now that Sirius, at this level at least of, of existence that we perceive it, is actually a stargate. It's an energetic stargate portal that, that, that can be utilized by other forms of existence, other levels of awareness, other civilizations to move between different parts of the galaxy and beyond. So when I hear someone say, oh, I'm from Sirius, I would I look look at that now and say, okay, maybe you've come through the portal of Sirius. If you truly are a star seed from somewhere that's come through the portal of Sirius, maybe in your lifetime you might actually remember this experience of coming through the portal as awareness, 
and then incarnating into a human body through, through the portal of Sirius. Now, I had a very interesting experience last year with someone called Holly Hamilton, which I've talked about before. And what happened for me was when I met Holly proper last year in February, January, February at the laundry bar here in Wellington, when I introduced myself to her, I thought I was, I was at the time I was wanted to hang out with her because she looked really interesting and I really wanted to talk to her. I just came out of a relationship with someone for two years. I wasn't interested in anything sexual or otherwise. I just wanted to make a new start in my life and I really was drawn to her for some reason at the time. I didn't know why. I was drawn to wanting to spend time with her. So I ended up spending time with her, but when I began to spend time with her, I began to, this is, the, this is one of the most interesting experiences of my life. When I began to hang out with her, I began to, when I was spending time with her, she began to metamorphosize in front of me. Now, I wouldn't say she shapeshifted there. It's not quite right. There was an overlay over her body. I began to see this being overlay, like you would see her, and then you see this overlay around her body that was very different to her own. Blue, dark blue skin, long black, jet black hair, yellow eyes with a white swirl in the middle of them. And I was kind of perplexed by what I was seeing. And then spirit began to, to narrate that to me, what I, what I was seeing. And I began to remember. And I began to remember myself. And I remember this experience of the lifetime that I'd lived. Uh, and I was living. I look at this now, like lived rather than not in the past tense, but living in the present moment, but another level of existence on Krishna's Dwarka, which is now in, in India. I was a merchant from Mauritius selling these corals at this market. And she was this being that had come through the portal of Sirius. She's an aquatic being. She was an aquatic creature. And Holly is drawn to water like a fish is to water. She's just constantly in the water all the time. She just And she goes there and she's she drops into that space and she's just more calmer. She feels more at peace when she's in the water. She feels like she's come home. And she just lives next to the water now. It's, it seems like it's natural. And I was like, wow, you're just drawn to water. And she said, yeah, I swim every, every day. And I was just like, whoa, okay, that's pretty interesting. But star seeds and all, and what I was told through spirit, it told me what I'd, what I'd seen in this vision, which was pretty clear to me, was that she'd come through this portal of Sirius. An aquatic being that come through this portal of Sirius had come to Venus. I mean, Venus at this time, and I'm talking about this level of existence, does not look anything like it does now. It was a habitable, watery plant. And this being had come from Syria to Sirius, and then to Earth, and then come to Dwarka through the portal of Mauritius, which is another portal on the Earth that allowed these beings to come through and, and not I wouldn't say land, but actually arrive. It's probably more the right terminology, arrive here. And then she'd gone from Mauritius by boat to Dwarka. I remember being at the market, seeing her walk past, and I was just completely enamored with her. And of course, in this lifetime, my feeling of being enamored with her in that lifetime and my feelings towards her that got to know her as a person, I became more attracted to her and I felt myself becoming more available to any kind of experience that would have been more than friendship, but that wasn't to happen. Those two over those two experiences overlaid and I couldn't really understand which was which. It's quite a difficult passage for me until I actually sat down as Ehor Grace, that part of myself, my poetic heart, and expressed how I felt into a book of poetry. But the portal of Mauritius, and as Tabash being Tabash, I went and saw Tabash not long after this experience began to overlay itself in my, in my being, right? I began to understand this portal energy, this movement of this energy through Sirius. 
thanks to Gigi Young and thanks to my own experience of coming to terms with this as well, understanding it. And if one of the first things he says to me in this reading I have with Tabash, this being, this consciousness, a field of awareness that left the human body many, many, many hundreds of thousands of years ago from Earth, then back to source power, and then comes through and is channeled through Blair's thyra, through his body, and then he talks to you through Blair's body, right, as a channel does, a medium channel does. And uh, he said to me, have you been to Mauritius before? I was like, no. I was sitting there like, at the time I was like, no, I've never been to Mauritius before. He's like, oh, it's because of the portal energy that you haven't been there before. And then I went, oh, no. And I left the reading. And I, I remember listening to the reading again about a week later and going like, oh, my fucking God, he knew. Of course he fucking knew. Source energy, he can see everything. But he knew what I was going through at the time. So... Whether holly is a star seed energy from this particular, from it came through Sirius, whether she believes it or not, is none of my business. What I experienced, though, was an, another, another account of an energy, a field of awareness coming through Sirius. And I think, and my understanding now is that the multidimensional existence that we have as, as consciousness means that she's existing on another level of existence beyond her physical body in Duarca at this moment right now, as I'm talking to you making this podcast, it's all happening right now. There's no past or present or future. It's all happening right now. So that was an interesting experience for me. I was like, whoa. And I, you know, I kind of had this feeling of like I'm really having these full-on empirical drop-ins, integrations, understandings of what star seeds are. And um, when I consult my star seed oracle cards, I do get a lot of information from those that kind of remind me of experiences and remind me that the energies that I have brought into this lifetime from other lifetimes and, of course, from other parts of the galaxy and beyond have allowed me to understand that the star seed phenomenon is real. I mean, we are consciousness. We're everything, right? We are spiritual beings having human experiences. But we're also existing on many levels of existence at the same time, when we are also everything and everyone. We are all that is, ever has been, and ever can be. So the whole notion that we are just a simple, oh, I'm, I'm Fred, Fred Bones from down the road who, who makes, makes milkshakes at the local dairy. No, you're everything. You're everything that ever has been and everything you ever, ever will be. You're, you're powerful beyond your wildest imaginations. And everyone, there's no one's, this is not special. I'm not special. We are all the same consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. Bill Hicks nailed it back in the early 90s. He was so on point. And it, that's the truth of it. So the whole starseed phenomenon, I think it's become, it has a, this is going to get into the spiritual ego sense of this thing. It has got, it's become, I think there's a lot of people out there that work with this energies, work with this notion and make it into a spiritual ego. You know, and like I had experiences where I've met psychics or met people that are intuitive who say, "Oh, he's a this person's a Lyran. I can feel their energy, if sixth dimensional Lyran." And then I know that I know the person they're talking to, they're talking about, and I look at that person that they're, that they're referring to, and I know that okay, maybe under the layers and the onion skin of the ego, they could be that they could be that being from a sixth dimensional Lyran, you know. But at the same time, I also realize that that's almost like plucked out of the air. And it's an interpretation. And it's, I can't say whether it's true or not, but I look at it and I think, well, what that does is that if people pick up on that or they come to that place where they always look at it themselves as being 
you know, like when you have these reincarnation stories, people say, oh, I was, I was a fighter pilot from World War II or I was Napoleon or I was, I was Akhenaten, you know, or oh, oh, I was Nefertiti, you know, whatever. They're never some peasant who got run over by a horse, you know. They're never some peasant who drowned getting water for their family. They're never someone who got stung to death by bees or eaten by a shark. They're always someone special. There's this energy in the spiritual movement and the conscious awakening movement where people have this, they, they take their egos into their spiritual movement, into their spiritual awakening, their conscious awakening, and it almost, it gets to the point where it's almost it's ridiculously comical, I think, when people come to this place that they think that, that they feel as though their lifetime, oh, I was Giordano Bruno in my last lifetime. Oh, I was Madame, Madame Blavatsky. You know, like, or, you know, I, I'm AP Senate or whatever, you know, they put themselves in this, this very hierarchical spiritual light. And it's, it's comical to me. I find it ridiculous. And in regards to the spirit, the starseed movement, yeah, I think yeah, there's that, there is that too. But, you know, I'm a light worker. I'm this and that. If you're truly, I think the most important thing I, in regards to my interpretation of this is if you truly are a light worker, if you truly are a starseed, if you truly are a, a highly evolved field of awareness, consciousness, spirit, soul, incarnate. The most people that I know that are like that, who have a high level of initiation into the life experiences that they've had many, many lifetimes and have come through many different star systems, they're the people you don't really see. They're really unassuming people. They just hold the frequency vibration of this high energy and their hearts are open at the back and the front and they're just the most amazing people to be around. They don't need to say much. They just resonate. And you just feel one. You just want to be around them because they're just such amazing. Their vibrations, their resonances are so high. You just want to be around them all the time. And those people have come into my life. I mean, of late, I have people in my life at the moment that I have and that I enjoy, whose company I enjoy, who have that degree of vibrational resonance that I hang out with. And to be around them, you feel yourself lift up. But also at the same time, it's really quite scary and quite full-on to be around these people because the way that they resonate when you're around them and their quiet sense of humbleness, the energy that they resonate with draws out all of your darkness, all your, your shadow bullshit to be healed. And that's really quite a difficult situation, a difficult circumstance for a lot of people to fucking to, to deal with. They'll find themselves, especially if they've got strong egos, they'll find themselves not wanting to hang out with that person because their light that person shines is so fucking bright and their resonance is so high, it draws out all the pus, so to speak, if it was an open wound. It draws out all the pus, and that's often too much to take for people's egos. They can't handle it. Their light is too bright. They want their own personal light to shine brighter and look for the ways of distracting themselves from the truth of the matter, which, which is often that person is doing them a fucking massive solid by bringing them into a place where they can look at their issues through the light of awareness and heal and move forward. That's a good thing, not a bad thing, which brings me to soulmates and twin flames. Now, I've heard a lot of, lately especially, a lot of people who are on the internet, uh, on YouTube, and this is a popular topic because, you know, everyone wants to meet their soulmate. Everyone wants to meet it in a twin flame. You know, uh, On some level, there's this deep-seated recognition and a feeling of, 
Oh, I feel a complete and whole, and I'm eating my soulmate or my twin flames. Ah, oh, it's kind of like, oh, this is what I need, what I what I need in life. This is what I need to make myself feel better about who I am. The ultimate fucking distraction. I'll be, I'll be happy and complete when I meet my soulmate. It's like, no, you fucking won't. Speaking of personal experience, and I do because I have met many soulmates in my life, and I look at them now simply as what they were to me, meeting your soulmate is fucking hard work. It really is. It's really hard work for both of you, especially if you're consciously aware or going through a consciously aware process. And if it's not, it's often short-lived. Your connection is very short-lived because the intensity of the energy you bring to each other is like two fucking raging infernos that meet, conglomerate together or correlate together and become this one enraging fucking inferno. And if you're not dealing with your shit, if you're not looking into the mirror of your own soul and seeing your darkness, because that's what a soulmate does to you, it brings out, that soulmate brings out all your, once again, same kind of thing, the resonance. They bring out and dredge out all the shit, past life karmic stuff especially, especially past life karmic shit. Dredge it up, bring it up to the surface and then you're choking on your, the sick that's in your throat because it's so intense and you just don't want to purge it. You want to, you don't want to, often, you don't want to purge it because it's too intense to, to, to let out. But that person, that soulmate, that true soulmate energy, and it can be a male. If you're, if you're a heterosexual male, it can be a man, a friend, a stranger, a lover. If you're gay, a gay man. If you're a, a straight woman. It can be a straight. It can be a, a female friend. It can be a male. It can be a, fe- a female lover if you're gay. It, it doesn't matter what sex you are. It doesn't matter what sex the soulmate is. And there could be a, a person you meet for ten minutes. Or it could be a person for the rest you, meet, you have in your life for the rest of your life. A soulmate is somebody, in my definition, not necessarily other people's definition, is someone who comes into your life and pulls away the caked layers of bullshit that you tell yourself and distractions that you that you, that you hold strong and onto and they shine a light on your shit and with their resonance and with their their realness and with their their humbleness and with often not humble too sometimes they can be quite egotistical with their bullshit they shine a light on your bullshit and then you have an opportunity to move through it and heal and heal and that's the most important thing if you can have someone in your life like that who shines a light on your bullshit and you are theirs, and you both see it while you move forward, and you and you have enormous personal growth and development. That's my interpretation of a soulmate. Someone comes into your life and shines a light, either from their hearts, or if it's an egotistical light, that's something different again, but it's still there. And it shines a light into the darkest recesses of your shadow and says, I'm here. Look at this. Look at me. And that's what a soulmate does. I've had many people in my life, male and female, all different demographics and ages, have come into my life and shone lights of awareness into the darkest recesses of my being and shown me my bullshit. You know, if it's not coming out my fucking mouth, I'm excreting it. I'm, no, I'm excreting it. That's not the right word. I'm exuding it from my skin. I'm sweating it out. And they are shining a light on it. And I'm going, oh my God. What are you doing to me? But not doing anything. They're just being themselves. 
Soulmate energies, I think personally, in my experience, don't tend to last long in your life because they're there for a reason. They're there for a short, sharp burst. Boom! They're in there. They come in there and they show you your shit and then they often move on. And if you evolve and grow, and they do too, then you definitely move apart and you, and you keep going. You keep moving forward. They might come back around again at some point to show you more of your own bullshit and you theirs. That happens as well. Definitely. Definitely happens. But often in my experience, it's just a big coming on in and then it could be a couple of years, it could be three months, it could be two days, it could be ten years. And then they're gone. As soon as you get your shit and you move through it and you evolve, they're gone. That's my personal experience. That's not and that's my perception as well. Twin flames are something completely different. Twin flames, for me, twin flames have been always lovers in my life. My twin flames have always been lovers. I have heard people before tell me they've had twin flames come into their life like a brother or a sister. I've had many people in my life that I consider that I've been brothers or sisters with or father, son, or mother, daughter, mother, mother, son, father, daughter with before in my life, but not as a twin flame energy. My perception is that twin flames in my life, the women that have come into my life that have been twin flames, part of my own source energy, or I've lived in the same body together with that energy and we've split apart at some point. More often than not, we've been lovers, and the fucking intensity of the the affair has been so crazy wild, it never lasts. It's just too fucking intense. And I would never say that we're exactly the same because the because in regards to the resonance, because of the levels of ego and the levels of the onion that we've created around ourselves due to conditioning. As I've pulled the onion layers away over the years and healed and got more closer to my spirit and closer to my essence of who I am, the God force in my body, I've brought people into my life that I would consider, at some point I've brought people into my life that I would consider that could have been twin flame energies, but they're not anymore. And this is an interesting concept too. I have someone in my life right now that I would definitely consider twin flame energy on some level, even if it was just a tiny little sliver. She's definitely a twin flame energy with me because we're both resonating on the same path, on the same way, and we are both having the same experience and we're connecting with each other and reaching out to each other before I am reaching out to her, just reaching out to me and telling me what I'm thinking about to tell her. It's like she's reading my mind and I'm reading her mind. We're both doing the same thing with each other. Boom, 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 boom. And I don't see our connection, us being together or hanging out together forever or for the rest of my incarnation. I see us coming We've come together at this time now, and we're both healing each separately, but our interactions are moving our co- our own personal personal developments forward at, at an advanced rate of conscious awakening and strength and trust and surrender. And it's really fucking powerful. But I, as I said before, I don't think it's going to be for the rest of my life. It's for the here and now. But it's a very different way of looking at it because I can totally see it for what it is rather than looking at it going, wow, this is meant to be forever. This is crazy. Wow, wow, this is amazing. This is so great. Oh, my God, it's so powerful. It's the sex, the intimacy, the fucking conversations, the, the moments, the adventures we share together, all this kind of stuff. No, 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 no. My experience of that in the past has always been coming hard, incredible combustion, pull apart or blow apart, probably more, more realistically, 
be blown apart, skyrocket off into different directions, but your personal development is, is moved into an enormous acceleration. And you're grateful for that, that you've moved on because it's so fucking intense. You might pine for the experience of having that person around again because the energy was so wonderful and amazing. But as the years go by and as, you're, as you develop and as you become more spiritually aware, more conscious, and you understand that that person came into your life for that moment and that was perfect. It's all you could handle and it's all they could handle. And then you look at it and go, thank fuck, that was an amazing experience, but I'm, it's over. You know, there's more. There's more to, to, to enjoy. I just have to trust that if this happens again, it'll happen again for the right moment at the right time with this person or somebody else. It doesn't matter. What's important is you completely trust and surrender to it. Get beyond the fucking spiritual ego. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm, 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 I'm Napoleon Bonaparte incarnate, and I've come from, come from Sirius, and I've come from the portal of Sirius. And once upon a time, I was a Leonard Bean, but before that, I was Nomo. You know, the Dogon Nomo? I was one of those, and then I came to Earth, and then they banished me, so I went back to my home planet. And I've come back, and my twin flame is here, and I'm going to find her, and I'm going to marry her and have 60,000 children and repopulate the Earth because they're all going to be gone in 20 years. Yeah, whatever, dude. Whatever. The more humble you get in your fucking being, the more you understand that this adventure that we are on, you are a part of consciousness. You are part of everything that's ever existed and everything that will ever exist. The fact that you're aware that you are, if you are aware, that's a big fucking heads up. That's a big head start of a lot of people who don't see it that way. Not hierarchical, it's just a fucking fact. It allows you to be a creator of the life that you want to live. Put the ego aside. Now and forever, if you possibly can. Pick it up if you have to. It's a petulant child that always wants attention, always thinks it's going to die, and it wants to survive. Put it to the side. True spiritual people who live from their hearts, are humorous, are grateful, they're humble, and you would often meet them on the street. You would never know that they resonate that way, but you can, you're drawn to them because of that resonance. I'm understanding this now more than ever. I see it as a valuable trait to have in your life. I'm not here to blow my own trumpet. It's not what I want to do. I'm just writing my own experiences and my perceptions of what spirituality means and how that the situation anyway, how it correlates to my own personal development and, of course, my content and the books that I've written, the vlogs that I do, the blogs that I do, the podcasts that I do. I do my best to be humble and realize that this experience that I'm having, I can choose to tap into it and tap out of it. The people that come into my life, I'm incredibly grateful for. But now, as I've become more spiritually conscious to the point where my heart is open at the back and the front, and I'm going through the changes that I'm going through, I realize now, as this happens to me, that every moment is a chance for me to have my integrity and to be honest and real with the people that I interact with. Doing it in a tactful way, doing it in a loving way, because that's what I truly am. And if I'm able to be humble with this knowledge, then maybe, just maybe, when I go home, I can decide to go somewhere else rather than planet Earth. 
and come back here for another human lifetime. Let's see. It'd be nice to go somewhere else or just go back to Source Energy and take a break. Speaking of which, I'm out of here. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Matewa. We'll talk again soon. Oh. <laughs> Did it, did it.